Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Outside the Sheds. I am your host, your cruise director, the man that takes you across the Thames for the right amount of coins. Yes, Shedheads, you're at the right place at the right time. You're right outside the Sheds. Welcome. Shedheads, I'm going to tell you something. I I really enjoyed this last round. I can't say that um, this last week's matches were all that enthralling in the NRL. Uh, the AFL had some really, really good matches we're going to go into a little bit sooner. But um, I think that it might have been a little bit of that undercurrent of state of origin in the air for the NRL. But we'll go into that. Let's start this thing off with the 40-20. Let's break down last week and let's get going. Uh, the first match, Storm 28, Seagulls 8. Jerome Hughes returns, and I think we now see why that money for Jerome Hughes came down the pipe. Because as soon as he's back, Munster fires for two tries, and it looks like business as usual for the Melbourne Storm. Now you just wonder with the addition of Pappenhausen when he comes back, if this team has enough time to get in the flow, as we would say, uh, and really take it to the rest of the competition. Seagulls, on the other hand, may be in some deep trouble. DCE is out for this coming week because of state of origin. That means Kieran Foran is going to be leading the side around. So I really don't know what to expect from Manly. Josh Schuster, who wants to take over for Kieran Foran in the 5'8th position, uh, is going to get his shot uh, with, with Kieran right there running the 7. But uh, I think Manly could be in trouble. Um, I'm not saying they won't make the 8 but I don't think there's a title aspiration in the future for the Seagulls. Panthers 22, Cowboys 0. Boy, your Shedadama sure missed on that one. Um, I guess we could say the Cows actually got to experience what the elite is. And I know they've played well against some really good teams, but there's good teams and then there's the reigning premiers. And they felt the full brunt of that Panthers uh, force with that 22-0 victory for, for Penrith. So I can't say that we expect anything less from Penrith, and maybe I was drinking the, the North Queensland Kool-Aid, but I don't think the Cowboys are going to go anywhere. I just think they see where they have to go now. Broncos 35, Titans 24. In a week that you would have to say was uh, a little difficult for the Brisbane Broncos, uh, so much so that a 20-point deficit greeted them right out of the box. But uh, the comeback was, was obtained, um, and now the top four is, how should I say, right there in the running for the Brisbane Broncos. And I, I just, I feel so great for Kevy. I just, I really do. And um, I guess as excited as I am for Kevin, Justin Holbrook, you look at him and his situation, and you're not saying that he's a, he's a dead man walking, but you're really going to have to start getting concerned uh, for, for Justin and Gold Coast. Knights 24, Warriors 16, uh, a comeback again for the Knights. Uh, I don't even really know what to say about the Warriors right now. I know some some words have come down that they've had, I don't want to say a full review, but that the, 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 the big wigs for the, Nor for the uh, New Zealand Warriors have, have kind of approached uh, Nathan Brown and said that they've got to see some, some, some improvement. Um, there's also been rumblings that they want him to go 6-6 six and six for the last half of the season or at least win 50% of the games. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I know that Anthony Milford looked great for North Queensland, excuse me, for, for Newcastle. But I, 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 I you know what, I, I think Sean Johnson might be done. Um, and I'm almost thinking that possibly the Warriors should actually go um, – with a young Habs pairing to see how those guys fire. It's just Sean won't take the line on. And Sean Johnson without running is only a partial player. He has to run the ball, and he's not doing it for the Warriors. So the Knights get a, a victory that they needed, only their second in the last 10 games. But uh, congratulations to Newcastle. Rabbitohs 44, Tigers 18. Tigers blowing a 12-point lead. Um... And, and you just have to, you just have to, and we're going to talk about this here soon, but uh, you just have to wonder what's going on with the West Tigers. You know, a team can only play 
with that amount of weight week in and week out that they've got to get a victory to save their coach um, before you just start seeing some of this type of, I don't know, wearing down of a team mentally. But um, good victory for the Rabbitohs. Great second half by that team. Um, And maybe this is the springboard they need to get themselves back up there in the running uh, to get in the top four. Roosters 36, Sharks 16. Uh, Tedesco and the Chooks make it seven on a trot against the Sharkies. Uh, I I have to admit, I did not expect an indigenous round that the Sharks would not really even show up in the first half. And they really didn't. I'm saying, uh, I guess this is the hoodoo. Um, that you can say that some teams start putting on other teams. But the Sharkies just cannot get over the Chooks right now. And and you wonder if this is going to be that springboard, just like I was talking about springboards earlier, they get the Roosters back to playing the football that I think a lot of people expect they can play. And with the State of Origin coming up now and Tedesco going to captain the Blues, um, does that mean Joey Manu goes back to the fullback position? Um, you know... Robbo's got some things he's going to have to kind of figure out during this time period, but I can't think of a better coach. Dragons 34, Bulldogs 24. Uh, You know, at least it was a packed house at Belmore. That's one of the beautiful things about it. Uh, We know the passion that the Bulldogs fans have for their club, but it's just not enough. It's just not enough. and, And I think there's rumblings behind the scenes that Gus is really going hard um, for Brad Fittler. Fittler's downplaying it. Gus isn't saying much. Cameron Seraldo is not going there. Uh, he's already talking about signing a, 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 a one-year extension with the Panthers, even though there's some real rumblings that he might be going otherwhere, which is part of our uh, deeper dive that's getting ready to happen. But um, I don't know what the dogs are going to have to do. I think they're really, really up against it right now. But good win for the Dragons. Uh, they finished their, their first half of the season, um, breaking almost 500 there, and and so you, you, you have to think that they believe that they can possibly push for the top eight uh, as we go down the track here for the second half. Eels 28, Raiders 20. Uh, you know, it was a Dylan Brown show. He, he played really, really well. He got back to his running form, even though I kept watching him going, is he really injured or is he faking? Is he really injured or is he cramping? Is he really injured or what's going on? He finished the match, played probably the player of the match easily. Um... But, you know, the Green Machine tried everything they could. Uh, they played really well. I think if you're a, a Canberra Raiders fan, you've got to feel that the team might really have a chance to push uh, to get in the top eight in the second half of the season. Um, but again, the Eels, maybe they're getting over that, that, that up and down phase, that roller coaster phase they've been, they've been going through recently. But a good, good victory for Parramatta going into State of Origin. Now, Everybody knows the talk of, of this last week has been Payne Haas. And, 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 and it, it really troubles me, this whole story and this situation, because Payne Haas is on contract with the Broncos for another two years, right? And for him to ask for an immediate release from a club that stood behind him through so many kind of trials and tribulations, I'm saying that everyone kind of forgets and, and, and kind of sweeps it under the rug, that he pretty much assaulted a female police officer, and the Broncos stood by him for that. He pretty much got a dust-up with Albert Kelly in the beginning of this season, and they stood by him because of that. He's a big dude, and he's a great player. He's a really, really great player, but I think he wants a million dollars a season, and that type of money really doesn't come to players in his position. But the way he goes about it, and the way that he kind of tries to strong harm his way out of a club that's done that for him. Um, Corey Parker came straight out and said they should release him. And I thought that was brazen. I thought that Casa really laid it on the line. We know he's a a, a proud Bronco uh, player or ex-player, whatever you want to say. Once a Bronco, always a Bronco, right? But, but he was like, if you don't want to be here, you can hit the bricks, buddy. Get out. Um, but I know that he has too much value. I'm saying... During those dark periods of time that, that Brisbane's been going through lately, he's been the best player on the field. So you can't just you just can't flush the guy, but at the same time, you can't have players and I you know, the NRL caused themselves their own problems with the way they do their negotiations and how they have players signing with other teams during the season. 
a lot of the stuff they do, I think, causes their own problem and their own dilemma. But for a player to try to force his way out, for a club that's taking care of him, I just think that, I just think that's really, really bad. Now, the cool thing about this, I guess if you can say it's cool, I maybe should step that back and say, the Brisbane fans showed Payne Haas what they thought about this about this scheme that he was trying to work out by by the force out, by booing him when their match occurred every time he touched the ball. And that wear and tear really showed at the end of the match. Thankfully, coming back from 20 points down, the Broncos showed what they're made of by winning that match over the Titans. But you could see the real emotion on Payne Haas's face because I don't think it's easy for any player to get booed at home. But every time he touched the ball, you knew it was personal. That booing was personal. They were coming right at him. Uh, they were letting him know that's not how we do it here in Brisbane, especially as a Bronco player. Um, now, word has just broken recently, uh, within the last day or so, that the Broncos are saying Payne Haas is going nowhere. And now they're saying that negotiations between Payne Haas and the Broncos will take place at the end of the season. So I don't know if this is putting this to bed for now. I don't know, will there be more rumblings? I know Payne Haas is now in, in Blues camp right now, so he's not even at Brisbane. But um, that was uh, a real telling scene because the Brisbane fans are some of the most loyal fans you'll ever see. And I don't know if I've seen that since I've been following the game, them really taking to task a player, uh, and not for his bad play, but, but for his off-field indiscretion. So that is going to be something to follow, uh, even though it looks like that could be a dead point for the next few weeks. Now, going about the ups and downs of players, let's go to the ups and downs of a team. A team that we've talked about quite a bit on this on this show, the West Tigers. Um, now, they had a couple of weeks there where they were really, they were kind of, they, some people thought they were putting something together there. Um, Jackson Hastings is has been a real strike for the team. But the, but the Tigers look like they might be getting something together. They had a couple big monumental wins, and you, we got to see Madge celebrate in the box for the first time, maybe uh, his in his entire tenure with the Tigers. I don't know. Um, but all of this has been flushed. All of this has been laid to rest because the Tigers, again, had a 12-point lead this week against the Rabbitohs. And looked like they were ready to play some footy, right? Looked like they were ready to take some strike. And then all of a sudden, they go into the barn, they go into the sheds, and they come out, I don't want to say a totally different team. I guess you can put some of this to the Rabbitohs coming out a little bit more on fire with a little bit of urgency too. But they got dismantled in the second half. They got dismantled. And when you lose a match, when you're already up 12 nothing. 44-18, there's a problem. There's a problem. And when you're, one of your star players has said at the beginning of the season they don't want to be there, okay, in Luke Brooks, you just, you just wonder. And a lot of people will say, well, Adam Dewey will be back. Yes, Adam Dewey is about ready to be back soon. But that Adam Dewey isn't, isn't a 30, you know, a 26-point player coming back. So... This breaks, this happens, this transpires, and all of a sudden we hear that there has been an emergency board meeting that has been scheduled for a total look at the club. And, you know, now the president of the club will not give a 100% backing of Madge. Uh, I think the writing's on the wall, shitheads. Now, I, I predicted that he wasn't going to barely make, you know, the fourth round, and, and Madge has done that. But I don't know how much longer you can be patient. And I think the only reason the Tigers will be patient like this is because they want Cameron Seraldo. I told you I was going to talk about Cameron Seraldo down the track. Well, here we are. I think they want Cameron Seraldo. I think they want him to take them into the future. And I don't think that there's any reason to think that they, they, they shouldn't want him to take them into the future. The, you know, the, the good thing for the Tigers, I guess the one positive we can say is that they have a young, young nucleus that's coming up, a, a group of players that they think could be 
the, 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 the thing that flips this thing on its head and gets the Tigers going back in the direction that a lot of people hope they're going. But I don't think anybody expects it's going to be Madge McGuire that's leading them there. Um, and, and I think that that's why you will see probably, I don't know what you see it this week, but I think you may see it uh, heading to origin um, that, that Madge gets replaced. Um, and like I said, he's a prideful coach, he's a prideful man, and I know that he doesn't want to give up on himself. He keeps talking about that this, this club is trending the right direction, but you can only say that so long without getting results, and the Tigers are getting no results, and you just kind of wonder um, how much longer before the writing on the wall becomes an actual action by the Tigers and the board. So something to definitely, definitely watch because I think that um, it'll be interesting to see how these players play in the second half of the season if they do uh, show Madge the door. So enough negative right now. I want to talk positive. I want to talk blues. I want to talk maroons. It is state of origin time. Next Wednesday, origin one kicks off this battle, this tussle, um, this let's get it on, as they would say in, 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 in the fighting world. And and I was kind of looking at some of the names. And let's go over the squads really quick going to Origin 1. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to say the, the player number or the number. And then I'm going to tell you who's going to represent the Blues, who's going to represent the Maroons. At the 1 for the Blues, Tedesco. For the Maroons, Ponga. At the 2, Brian Tao. Uh, for the Blues, Selwyn Cabo. For the Maroons. At the 3, Katoni Staggs. For the Blues, Valentine Holmes. For the Maroons. At the 4, Jack Whiten for the Blues, Dan Gagai for the Maroons, Daniel Tupo for the Blues, at the 5, Xavier Coates for the Maroons, at the 6, Luai for the Blues, uh, Munster for the Maroons, at the 7, Cleary for the Blues, DCE for the Maroons, 8, Payne Haas, Payne Haas, the man we just talked about for the Blues, and Tino, let's just call him Big Tino from, from the Titans. Uh, for the Maroons. At the 9, Damian Cook looks like he's going to retain his position for the Blues and Ben Hunt, the surprise start. And Billy Slater has doubled down saying uh, that, that, that Hunt will be his 9 um, for the Maroons. 10, Junior Paolo uh, for the Blues and, and Josh Papali for the Maroons. Cameron Murray in the 11 coming back from his injury for the Blues and Kurt Capewell for the Maroons. Tarek Sims playing in good form for the for the Dragons in the 12 for the Blues and, and Felice Cafusi for the Maroons. And in the 13, Isaiah Yo for the Blues and Reuben Cotter for the Maroons. Now the interchange looks a little bit a little bit different. Reagan Campbell Gilliard's back, but at the 14 we have Stephen Crichton and Harry Grant for the Maroons and the Blues. Liam Martin for the Blues, Lindsey Collins for the Maroons. Uh, at the 16, Reagan, Cabell, excuse me, Reagan Campbell Gilliard for the Blues and Patrick Kerrigan for the Maroons. And then Ryan Matterson, who you would have to say Ryan Matterson has been the talk of the town uh, in a lot of ways, uh, but going to be in the 17 for the Blues and then Jeremiah Nanai uh, in for the Maroons. Now, a couple big players. Nico Hines has made the reserves um, and, and Tom Dearden has made the reserves, but it's really going to be interesting to see uh, what this happens and what's going to transpire from this state of origin. Now, before I go into that, I do want to talk about the omissions that really surprised me. It really surprised me, and I will double down when I say I will double double down on this. Say, it shocks me that Josh Adokar isn't in a Blues jumper. I I don't think you can you can really measure what Josh Adokar brings to the Blues. I don't think you can measure just on his on-field performance, but I think that what he brings to the Sheds is something that is something you and myself probably don't see much of. But that's all you hear about his emotion, his his chemistry, his his laughter, his his joy that he brings into the camp. And that to me is so huge when you talk about a state of origin series. And I think I think I think Brad really missed it on that. Um, and I and I myself pretty much can. Yeah, all right, we'll gibble, we'll double down on this. We'll we'll do a Shedadamas pick that he will be back for Origin two. Uh, and and you know I'm I'm a huge Daniel Tupo fan. I've met Daniel Tupo. He's a big dude. 
And they're, I think that what they're going to do is they're trying to battle for size on the wings. But, you know, it's not that Josh Adokar doesn't have a vert. It does, it's not like Josh Adokar can't get up. So I really think that, that, that Brad missed it on that case. And then a lot of talk has also been um, about Jake Trevojevich not being picked. A guy who's only missed seven tackles in his entire tenure for the Blues. And I don't know if I, I, you know, Jake has not had the greatest of seasons. Manly has not had the greatest of seasons. And maybe that's not, maybe that's why we don't see uh, the Fox and Jake in the side because Manly and the Bulldogs have not played up to, well, did anyone really expect the, the, the Bulldogs to do much this season? But but still, that was a choice that, that Josh Adokar made uh, going to the, the Bulldogs and leaving Melbourne, which... I love family, but I don't know if I'm leaving a side that great. But um, that really surprised me. But my thing is, there's been talk a lot that the Blues were about ready to dominate state of origin for the foreseeable future. That they were really going to just dominate and there wasn't going to be any other thing but Blues, Blues, Blues. Not that they could win eight in a row, but they could, I guess. But they, they got that unsettled by North Queen, excuse me, by the uh, Maroons recently. But... But I'm going to say this right now. When I look on paper at these two squads right now, I'm favoring the Maroons. I really am. And I know that 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 there's a, a heavily based Penrith side um, that we're looking at for the Blues. But there's something different about a Queensland team when it comes to state of origin. Um, you see they don't make a lot of changes. They stay loyal to players. Um, and, and I think that that has something, and that says something about what they think about themselves and what they think about of their club. So I right now, I'm going to say that Queensland is my favorite to win State of Origin. Now, Fiddler can change a lot of this by his picks for, for, for Game 2, and you, we've got to see who actually comes out of Game 1 healthy. But, you know, I think the big question for me is how does Billy Slater manage this side? And I know Billy Slater, if he managed this, this side the way that he played, they're going to be a lot more offensive. We know they're going to put their defensive stance in. But I, I'm really interested to see how this team plays under a Billy Slater-led tenure. Um, he's got some great coaches in there, too. Some guys that he, he very much trusts and are some pretty damn gun players, too, back in their day. Um, and some of them just retired recently. So... I'm right now, state of origin, I, I can't believe that I'm saying this because I was drinking the Kool-Aid too. I was thinking this was going to be a blues era on the horizon. But this team looks strong for Nor for, for, for Queensland. I keep trying to call them North Queensland, right? Uh, I, they look strong for the Maroons. And and I think that, you know, with the, how these two sides are put together, if it's a three-game series, I'm taking the, the Maroons to take two out of three. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see how they mix things up uh, for Origin 2 and 3. But uh, it's going to be interesting. And I've got to say, I'm beyond fired up for State of Origin, looking at how close these two teams are right now. So State of Origin, next Wednesday, Shedheads, be there or be square. I can't believe I said that, but that's how it is. Now, I, it's great talking State of Origin because it's positive. We love that. But some sad news is the voice of Rugby League, the guy that to me, uh, every time I heard him start talking, I knew a Rugby League match was breaking out and I was excited to listen for him to call a match. Um, I don't get to listen to Ray Warren over here in America because um, I can't get nine, right? So the only time I hear him is during State of Origin and during the Grand Final. And so when I heard that, 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 that Rabbits, Ray Warren, was stepping down immediately as the voice of the NRL, uh, it really kind of hit me hard because that to me is the voice that I expect to hear when I'm talking or, or thinking about rugby league. And I don't even barely ever get to hear him. You know, not that, the, that, that Fox League doesn't do a good job calling matches. Uh, I definitely like a couple of the announcers over there. But, but Ray Warren... And listening to him and the banter between him and Gus Gould, to me, is some, some gold that I'll never forget. Um, but he is stepping down, and he is calling retiring immediately, which kind of surprised me a little bit because I it, it seems to me that I would think that he would, you know, call the matches through State of Origin. Um, but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. 
The only thing I know is that I'm not going to hear rabbits calling the match. So kind of bummed out, really bummed out by that. Um, but come on, the guy's been an announcer for 55 years. He's in the Rugby League Hall of Fame. Uh, I think the only positive out of all of this is he's going to continue to stay a contributing force with uh, Wide World of Sports in Australia. So I don't think he's going away altogether, but not hearing him behind where his gift is to me behind the microphone is very, very sad. Um, I know he's still alive, Shedheads. Calm down. But uh, not hearing rabbits and knowing that that era is done um, really, 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 really touched me. Really made me a little upset for this week. So congratulations, uh, Ray Warren. You're heard around the world, uh, and you have a huge fan base uh, in some parts of this country. So let's go into this, I guess, abbreviated round because of state of origin uh, for round 13. Thursday, we've got the Cowboys versus the Titans. Um I'm taking the cows, even though they are going to be missing a few players. Uh, I think that Tidy Payton's boys will come over the top uh, and beat the Titans. Friday, Bulldogs versus the Panthers. Panthers losing uh, a great amount of players for State of Origin. A lot of guys losing their total halves combination. Um, but I still think that they're going to beat the Bulldogs. Uh, now, you're going to have a, a, a Josh Addo card that's going to be looking to tear the world in half. But I still think that they get over the top and beat the Dogs. Saturday, Warriors versus the Sea Eagles. I, I talked about this earlier. DC is not in the side. I know Jake Travojevic is going to have a lot to prove. Um, and, and Kieran Foran will be still in the halves with Schuster. But I think the Warriors, after the, what came down uh, to Nathan Brown about having to win and win pretty handily in the second half of the season for him to hold on to his job, even if he wants to, uh, I think the Warriors uh, beat the Seagulls. And then Sunday, Roosters versus the Raiders. Uh, this will be interesting to see. Uh, now, Tedesco will not be there. Their captain will not be there for the Roosters. Um, so you'd have to think that the Raiders will definitely try to uh, exploit that. But what we're probably going to see is Joey Manu put back. I'm guessing in the fullback position. We'll have to wait to see what Robbo does. But I'm still going with the Chooks. I think the Chooks win this. Um, just because of the, their strike and what they and how they've been playing lately. So, uh, abbreviated round, not as much going on in the 40-20 this last week. Um, I didn't want to talk about any eye gouging or any of that type of stuff. But um, so we'll have to see. Now let's let's pivot. Let's go on the mark right now because you're you're Shed Adamus going six for nine over there. We know that I did all right. Wait a second. Let's go back and look here. You know we 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 still went five for eight. For, for the NRL, but we went six for nine for the AFL this round. Uh, and, and I got to tell you something, kicking it off, I felt really good because I thought I was going to start hot. Uh, with the Tigers up on by 33 over the Swans, I thought I had a victory there. Well, that didn't stay the course, did it? Because Swans 106, Tigers 100, uh, Buddy Boots 5, um, it was definitely a match that we're going to talk about here very, very soon. Lions 110, Giants 96. Uh, the Lions were pushed, but they stave off those pesky Giants. Cats 97, Crows 55. Uh, Cameron's 4 leads to the first back-to-back -back of the season for, for the Geelong Cats. And the surprise of the round, it got me. Dockers 94, Demons 56. 17-match win streak comes to an end, and that's something we're going to dive into here in a second as well. Bulldogs 161, Eagles 60. The question is, do the Eagles even have feathers anymore, or are they kind of a plucked chicken out in the West there? Because that's embarrassing. Suns 121, Hawks 54. I guess the only question I have is, has the sun finally risen for Gold Coast? Because the Suns are beaming right now. Look at that. They're a little sun, a little sun smack. Saints 103, Ruse 50. Um, well, yeah, I guess you can say at least they only lost by 53, the Ruse. Pies 79, Blues 75. Uh, the Pies hold on with a, for, a, for a key key victory, but again, the Blues suffer another injury um, that we're going to discuss. And then finally, the Power 66, Bombers 50, and the win is moves Port Adelaide within four 
points of the top eight. Now, I told you we were going to go into, into a little more depth about that, but all good things come to an end uh, as the Melbourne Demons experienced their first loss of the season, snapping their 17-game winning streak uh, at the hands of the Fremantle Dockers. The Dockers who had lost two matches in a row, and I got to tell you, Shedheads, when I was picking the matches last week, I froze at that game because I sensed the disturbance. I, I sensed that Fremantle team that might have been looking a little bit ahead about what they had in the future and their shot at the Ds that was coming up. I don't know if that was the case, but I will tell you um, that they they were impressive because a team that had lost two in a row usually doesn't have a lot of heart when it comes to situations when it looks really bleak, right? And the Ds looked in total control with that 25-point lead going into halftime. Um, and then everything switched, and I and I can't believe I'm really saying this, but the Dockers kicked eight goals in a row, or excuse me, not eight goals in a row, but they kicked eight goals in the third quarter. Eight to one over the Ds. And then they kick another two, making it 10. And the most impressive part of all of it to me, Shedheads, is that the Demons, your premiers, kicked one goal in the second half. That is insane. Um, it's, it, it's, it blew me away that that happened. I, I, I think if I asked any of you that follow the AFL, that the Melbourne Demons would only score one goal in the second half, you would laugh me off the park. You would shut down my podcast. But it happened. Now, to me, the big question is, did Justin Longmire find something that the rest of the AFL is going to exploit now to take it towards the Melbourne Demons? Because this is what happens sometimes. When a team looks like they're never going to lose, something happens or some club comes along that finds a niche, that finds a hole, and then all of a sudden, everybody notices that, everybody piggybacks that, and then the rest is history. And you kind of have to to wonder if, if, if the Fremantle Dockers might have not just wrote a blueprint um, to, of how to beat the Demons. And we'll have to wait and see. But I will say, for a club to do what they did over, the, over a team that has been unstoppable for 17 straight matches... That is something that we're really going to have to keep in, in, in our eyes on. Um, and I'm really curious to see what the Ds do this weekend. If they just dismantle somebody and act like it's business as usual, or do they struggle? And it could all come back from what Justin Longmire has um, put together for a defensive strategy for the Dockers. We'll have to wait and see. But I will say this right now. That that victory now catapults Fremantle back in the discussion for the flag. It definitely makes them feel better about themselves. Uh, and we'll see if, if if what this does to both of these teams going forward. But incredible match and a great victory for Fremantle. Now, unfortunately, I have to speak about, again, sides losing big leads. And I told you already I was kicked in the gut. Yoshet Adamas took one on the chin to start the round out. Uh, by the Tigers blowing that 33-point lead, squandering whatever you want to say, they dropped the ball there. Um, and they looked in total control. I'm saying they set, they kicked seven consecutive goals. They looked like the Richmond team that had dominated for three out of four grand finals, right? And then it all switched. Shy Bolton gets a 50-meter penalty, and the game just kind of did a shift. And I didn't see that shift coming. I didn't, you know, everything happens in, in footy. Like, you, you don't know what's about ready to happen, what's about ready to flip, blah, 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 right? But I didn't think that this was going to be a total foundation rocker, and it turned out to be that. Because Buddy Franklin comes alive, kicks five goals, and then even smacked Kachi. How can you smack Kachi? Okay, Kachi can be a little bit of a pest sometimes. That's why I love Trent Kachin. And he was stuck to Buddy like glue. But you can't give him the hands, Franklin. And that those hands just cost Buddy a one-game suspension. So Buddy Franklin will not be in the side this week to take on the Melbourne Demons. So it's bad enough you got to play Melbourne, Swans. Now you have to do without Buddy. But 
it was just one of those matches. It was a wet, it was a slippery match. Both clubs looked like they really couldn't get their footing. Both clubs looked like they were struggling at times. Uh, and it came down to it at the end. You just had that feeling this was going to be a game that had a chaotic finish. And you just didn't know which way that chaos was going to come. But that chaos came in a penalty to Dion Prestia right at the siren. And, and Swan Chad Warner kicking the ball into the crowd. Now, what that usually means is that 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 Presti is going to get a 50-meter kick. And this kick gives him the chance to tie the game, to send it to, you know, a draw. But instead, the umpire rules that Warner couldn't hear the whistle because of the cheers from the crowd and the siren going off. Now, the AFL has come up since this time because, as you can guess, Prestia has to kick a 65-meter kick, misses it, and it's a 106-100 victory. The AFL has come out since this time and said that they are backing and siding with their official, their umpire, with the decision that he made and that it was the correct call. I don't know if that's the correct call or not. I think that that is a... I think that's a pick in that call base. I think... He's not wrong if he if he awards it, and he's probably not wrong if he doesn't award it like he didn't. But um, huge, huge match, um, and I still don't know how the Tigers blew a 33-point lead. So um, both teams will be fighting for that eight at the end of the season. I'm saying that was a huge, huge match and could have actually capitulated, kind of catapulted one team one way or the other. So um, this is gonna this is gonna take a lot of healing. For the Tigers to come back from, even though um, you know they've got championship pedigree in their side, so they'll they'll battle back. But uh, really, really strange match and really, really strange ending. Now, bad teams. We've got two really, really bad teams in the AFL: the Ruse, um, the Eagles, and the Bombers. Unfortunately, are right there. The Bombers are two and nine. Uh, the Bombers have a dust up with their captain and players on the field. They just look like a team that has kind of lost their plan. And I really am surprised by this. I really did not see this happening. Um, but they really don't seem like the team that a lot of people were hoping they were going to be this year. And for that reason, and that 2-9 and record and the dust up on the field, the club is called a review of the player personnel and the coaching staff. Now, the crazy part about this is their president, Paul Brasher, has stated that head coach Ben Rutten will finish the season as the head coach and that he is in jeopardy of nothing. Is If that doesn't shock you, I don't know what else will because it shocks the heck out of me. But he just got a vote of confidence from the president saying he's going nowhere. Uh, and this is very, very strange. For a club that's as well-respected as Essendon, uh, you just do not expect this type of this, the, these types of trials and tribulations to happen. And they're taking place. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to see what happens from here. Um, because I don't see how that type of rinky dink review can catapult the bombers to turning their season around and coming out firing. I, I just don't. So again, really sad because it's a, it's such a strong fan base club, a lot of pride, and they just don't seem to know how to take the right steps in any way. Now, again, more bad news. Uh, the Carlton Blues once again have been delivered another punch to the throat as we would say in in, in mixed martial arts uh, by losing defender Jacob Wietering in the, in in uh, for six weeks for an ACA jo- AC joint injury from a clash that he had with Jordan Degui during the match against the pies uh, the surgery is going to be needed um, to repair that I've had an AC joint injury before uh, they're not fun. Uh, they will stay with you for a while. Um, but, wow. You know, you feel so bad for Carlton. Uh, they try. They they show up week in and week out. And they just always seem to, right now, be just getting the, the, the brunt end of the stick. And they just can't get up. The good thing for them, they've played so well at the beginning of this season um, that they've kind of given themselves a little bit of leeway to these possible you know, problems that are, that are going to transpire. But um, it's going to be interesting because this leaves a big hole in their defensive line uh, of what's going to happen going forward. But uh, we'll have to see. And, and here's to um, a full recovery. Um, 
for Jacob and that he gets back on the side sooner than later. Now, let's talk about future. Let's talk about rebuilds. Let's talk about going out there and making some sizable changes, Shedheads. Well, that's happening. That is happening. Uh, it's in full flux right now. We are looking at a club in the, that's right, the Lions. The Lions are going to get a makeover. Yes, Shedheads, I said it. The Lions are going to get a makeover. They are going to remodel the GABA. And I can't tell you how excited everybody is for this. Um, now, this is going to be a, a very, very unique uh, situation. Um, and I'm curious to see how they do this. But they're looking at possibly changing everything out and going through this, uh, you know, and, and remodeling the GABA. And I told you that was that was my first match that I ever saw was was at the GABA. Uh, I actually snuck in with my wife, uh, and well, she wasn't my wife at the time, Mrs. Shedadamas. But we went in there and we, you know, checked everything out. And they were actually remodeling, and they looked up in the crowd and they see us kind of standing up there, and they're kind of like, uh, "Yeah, what are you guys doing up there?" Um, and you know, I didn't get kicked out, but I definitely ran to the. Uh, ran to the exits as quickly as possible. But um, I have experience with the GABA. I love the GABA. Uh, it's, it's a special place in my heart. Uh, but they are going to remodel it. And it looks like it's a billion-dollar renovation uh, that they are going to over, overhaul. Excuse me, let me see if I can speak. Um, likely starting in 2025. So, wow. You know, what can you say about that? A 2025 start. Uh, but the problem with that is, it looks like it's a four-year reconstruction, a four-year rebuild. Okay, now we're talking, aren't we? Well, now we're talking. Um, but the problem for that is, where is the Lion's New Den going to be? Because if you're going to be remodeling my home, where am I going? And, well, it looks like there is going to be three locations that the, the Brisby Lions are looking at to play their footy for the next four years um, that they will call the Den of the Pride. And the first one is the Suns Barn or their stadium at Metricon Stadium. The second is the Brighton Homes Arena, which is their training location. And the third is the Brisbane Showgrounds. Okay. All right. All right. I see this. This, is, this works for me. But... I can't tell you how excited I am to see what they're going to do with the GABA. A billion dollars is quite a bit of money. Uh, and I have a feeling with that type of renovation, what they've been trying to do for the Brisbane Lions, that this is going to be a state-of-the-art facility. One of the things I've got to tell you I'm happy about, because over here in the divided states, they would just tear that thing down. We have a baseball club here uh, in MLB called the Texas Rangers. Okay, The Texas Rangers built a state-of-the-art stadium up in Arlington, which is a little suburb of Dallas, right? And they could have, for a million dollars on top of this brand-new stadium they built, they could have added a retractable roof, roof, okay? Roof, roof, roof. So the crazy thing about this is they became penny pinchers and said, no, we're not going to do that. A million dollars is a million dollars. So they didn't put it on. Well, everybody knows that Texas is right next to hell on the equator, so it gets hot, very, very hot. So I don't know who the genius is that said, well, let's not put a retractable roof on top of the stadium. That's a brilliant idea. Let's just bake. Let's put it in the oven about 450 and put it on a broil too as well, right? So we jump ahead a few years down the track. Uh, by the way, a little insight here to your Shed Adamas. I actually had part of my bachelor party at a Texas Ranger home baseball game. Uh, and that was pretty darn cool. Enough of my side story. But what I'm saying was, it was hot then too. Um, but what do the Texas Rangers do? They decide to tear down this stadium, which was a state-of-the-art stadium in my mind, besides their million-dollar non-retractable roof, and decide to go and build a brand-new stadium right next door in a parking lot. I, it blew me away right? 
the amount of money that can just be flushed by some of these clubs over here uh, in this country will blow your mind, right? But I'm very, very excited that instead of demolishing something, that the Brisbane Lions and the powers that be notice the importance of a stadium that has a lot of heart, that has a lot of good feeling to it. And instead of getting rid of it, they just are going to give it a 2.0. And that is awesome. So congratulations, Brisbane, for doing the right thing in my eyes and not tearing down history, which some places around this world, my home, uh, try to tear down history whenever possible. Uh, So Lions, looking forward to seeing the GABA in about five to six years. So let's go into these round 12 picks. And we've got some doozies on on top. I did say it, Shed Heads. I said doozies. Friday, the Cats versus the Dogs kicking everything off. And I know Jeremy Cameron's been playing like a man possessed. But without Dangerfield and the strike to me of the, the, the Western Bulldogs halves, I'm taking the Doggies in a mild upset over the Cats. Eagles versus the Crows. I don't know. This is one of those matches i always been asking you over the last few weeks. Do I even have to pick this? Okay, here I go. I'm taking the Crows over the Eagles. Saturday, here's another one of those teams. Ruse versus the Suns. Are you kidding me? Chole? You think I'm You think I'm, I'm, I'm going to bet against the Chole Coast? Got the Suns all the way on that. Suns versus the Demons. I think that was going to be a heck of a match. Maybe even the match of the round. But with, with, with Buddy Franklin out because of him trying to smack around Kachi, there's no way I'm taking the Swans in this. Demons all the way. Pies versus the Hawks. This one had me a little bit skeptical, a little bit uh, apprehensive because to me, deep down, it feels like the Hawks are going to try to have a rebound match after the, the their their poor performance against the Suns. But I really think that uh, I think that the, the, the Pies have something going on, and I'm going to take I'm going to take the Pies. And then Sunday, the battle for Queensland. I guess you can say the battle of two big schools. Big, I call them schools because they say we got a big fight going on with these two schools. Lions versus the Doctors. Um, come on now, I I know the Doctors played well, but I don't think if you're thinking by any means that Fremantle's not going to have a little bit of a hangover from beating and snapping the D's 17 game winning streak, I think you're insane. I think the Lions will be up for this match, and I'm taking the Brisby Lions to beat the Dockers. All right, let's go into our guns. Kind of tough, kind of tough to pick because we had, uh, you know, we picked three on this show. We go with the trace, so we, we, you know, the battle for three was tough. But we started off, Buddy Franklin, five goals, one behind, ten disposals, nine kicks, one handball, five marks, two tackles, two hundred and thirty-nine meters gained. Ah, uh, Buddy, doing what he does best. Uh, played a really, 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 really inspiring match and helping the Swans get home. My number two, I mentioned him just recently, Jeremy Cameron for the Geelong Cats. Four goals, one behind, 12 disposals, seven kicks, five handballs, one mark, two tackles, one hit out, two clearances, and 212 meters game. I'm telling you, Jeremy Cameron, I think, is really starting to fit into those hoops quite well. Um, and I think... I, I, I'm going to say this. I think right now, because of the season Dangerfield's having, I think Jeremy Cameron is going to be the guy that either gets them to the promised land or keeps them from making it to the promised land. Because I think if as well as he goes, the Cats go. And then finally, my battle is between Tedesco and Munster for that number three. I'm taking the captain of your New South Wales Blues. I took Teddy. One try, 238 running meters, two line breaks, Two, three line break assists, two try assists, nine tackle breaks, eight tackles made. Teddy, um, right right when everyone starts questioning James Tedesco and should he be the fullback for this team, you know, is he the best fullback in the game, blah, blah, blah. Teddy just, again, just reappears, puts a stamp down of dominance and continues to march forward. So uh, incredible, incredible round for all three of those players, and congratulations to both of you. 
or all three of you. Now, outside the bubble, it's been a really unique time here. Um, I'm a couple weeks from going to the College World Series in Omaha. I'm really excited about that. So we just got done naming all the teams, the 64 teams, to make it to Omaha. Um, so that was really, really cool. Really excited that the regional start this weekend to find out who is going to begin their, their march to be one of the, the eight teams to go to Omaha. So we could talk about that. A lot of you guys know have no idea about that. Just something passionate your Shed Adamas is about. Uh, we could talk about the NHL. The NHL right now. Uh, Western and Eastern Conference Finals beginning. Uh, last night, uh, in a match that I don't want to talk about right now because my buddies from Canada are going to get mad at me for this. Uh, um, a very, very questionable call uh, leading to a goal in a match that ends up, uh, a game that ends up a one-goal game uh, with the Colorado Avalanche beating the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I think we're in store for an incredible series, though. These two teams can skate. Uh, these two teams have a little bit of a history between two players that want to think of themselves as the best players in McKinnon and um, uh, uh, Connor McDavid. Uh, and don't forget about Leon Dreisaitl. Because Connor McDavid, no one ever talks about Leon Dreisaitl, but Dreisaitl's got more points than McDavid. So um, so this is going to be a, a, a match to me for the ages. I think these these I think it's going six or seven. I've got Edmonton winning the series, but it's going to be something special to watch. And then tonight... The Toronto, excuse, Toronto. I just said that. I'm sorry, Sean. I said that. Uh, the the Tampa Bay Lightning, who beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, but the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, start their their push for their three peat by taking on the New York Rangers in the Eastern Conference Final. I've got the Lightning uh, to win that series, and I got the Lightning in six. But those are not where I'm going to go into de- great detail about. I'm going to talk first off about the French Open. I'm talking about Rafa going for 14 and Nadal running into his biggest, biggest obstacle on this track in the quarterfinals playing Novak Djokovic. Noli, the defending champion, uh, after getting prevented from going to Australia, which I totally side with, um, Noli has a chance to try to catch up to the um, Grand Slam titles uh, of Nadal. But they have to get through one another to go forward. And the match that, that we got to experience between these two giants uh, was some pretty incredible stuff. Um, and Nadal came out on top. 6 2 And I have to say, I don't know if we're going to see Rafa next year at the French Open. Um, I think Rafa will finish the season because he's Rafael Nadal. But I think if Rafa wins the French Open this year uh, and he goes on and plays well at Wimbledon uh, and possibly the U.S. Open, which he usually has a little bit more problems on the hard courts because his body is usually breaking down by that part of the season. But I do think that if he wins the French and plays really well at Wimbledon, we might be seeing the last season for Rafael Nadal. And... That's kind of a, a sad thing for me for the standpoint that I have to admit most of his career I didn't root for Rafa because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Federer guy. I've always loved Roger, right? But towards these last couple of years, uh, even though he's the nemesis, I have enjoyed watching Rafa. And I, I, I think the thing that you have to remember, in this day and age of sport, we, when we don't see athletes give 100%, when we, we sometimes see athletes who care about that almighty paycheck more than they do their performance on the field, when you see a guy that will leave everything out on the field, on the court, that he has, that she has, it's something to behold, it's something to record, it's something to watch and cherish. And I will tell you something. I, I was beyond rooting heavily when Rafa beat Medvedev Um and I was very excited about that. And I I have to tell you, I'm rooting for the guy to, to win his 14th uh, French Open. Uh, and he had some major things go his way. First off, he goes through Joker. And then Alexander Zverev beats the, the teen phenom Alcaraz last round. So you'd have to say his biggest 
quote-unquote obstacle for winning the French Open might have just been Joker, but it's Zverev because Zverev is saying that he really wants this title. And the way that he beat Alcaraz, you have to think that he's playing some of his best tennis. Now, the question is, if Zverev can get mentally out of his head or get out of his head mentally that he's taking on Rafa in his backyard. But uh, it's going to be a hell of a match to watch. Um, and, 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 and I now know that you don't have to have the tennis channel. I think Peacock and a couple of other uh, services are going to show the Wimbledon semifinal. On, and so that's going to be really, really fun to watch. But uh, congratulations for Rafa for once again putting in uh, an incredible, incredible um, tumultuous up and down match with Joker and coming out in the end. Now, I will say the feel-good story for me for this last week, for this podcast, is the Ukrainian soccer club. Uh, they're in a playoff to make it to the World Cup right now. And that beginning started, um, or that first leg of the two matches they were going to have to win to go to the World Cup started with them having to go to Glasgow, Scotland, and beat Scotland on their own in their own backyard. And to watch the Ukrainian players come out on the field, uh, their first match they've played since the invasion, and the way that Scotland embraced them, all right, by putting the notes for their national anthem on the back of every seat in that stadium so people could sing to show their unison um, with Ukraine was some pretty dramatic footage. If you haven't seen it, make sure you try to find it, shitheads. But the Ukraine... Um, all wearing flags draped over each player, went out and played an incredible match and ended up beating Scotland 3-1 to one, and now puts them one game away from being in Group B of the World Cup by having to get one victory. They have to get one victory over Wales on Sunday uh, to go to the World Cup. If you have a chance, make sure you watch the beginning of that match. If you have a chance, watch that entire match. But Ukraine, a country that is fighting for everything that it has, everything it stands for, I don't know if any of us around the world can actually say that we understand what this feels like. But uh, I'm rooting for them big time. I'm hoping they can pull this off. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they can. Uh, I think that they have the team and the strike to do it. The question is if the moment gets too big for them. But uh, if they do win, they will be in, in Group B at the World Cup, which will put them with the USA, England, and Iran. Uh, so here's to the Ukraine on Sunday, trying to do something a lot of people didn't think was possible and hopefully putting some smiles in some people's faces in a war torn country that hopefully um, is... Got better days ahead. Now, I told you about the NHL final. I told you about, um, you know, the College World Series. But tomorrow starts the NBA final between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. Uh, something to me that will be a, an incredible final series. I definitely got the, the dubs taking it. I don't know. I know Boston is a great defensive team. I just don't know if anybody right now can stop the movement. Um, and I think in their minds, this team has been there before. The Celtics have not. This team knows that they're four games away from proving a lot of doubters that said that Golden State was never going to be there again. Um, Gary Payton Jr. is going to be back for the Warriors. So one of their best defensive players will be back in the fold. Uh, I think this is going to be a series that's going to go six or seven for sure. Um... And I think a lot of it will always depend on who stays the healthiest. But I think that that series with the Miami Heat, um, and and think about it, the series before that the Celtics had to go through by going through the Milwaukee Bucks, I don't know will their legs be able to keep up with the Warriors for six or seven games. I just don't. Um, I know those first couple of games they'll be they'll be riding uh, raw emotion, um, which will help them. But I think as this thing gets dra dragged out into deeper waters, I think the Golden State Warriors are going to show they're the cream of the top. And, uh, excuse me, the cream of the crop and will stay on top. How about that? Um, but I do. I think the Warriors will win this, this NBA Finals. 
um, and and will show that they are one of those dynasties that you see every so often in a sport. So uh, very, very excited for that. But Shedheads, that brings this episode of Outside the Sheds to a close. Uh, when I talk to you next week, um, it will be State of Origin time. And we will possibly, I'm still kind of figuring out how we'll do this. If we're going to do a, we'll probably do it. Um, yeah, well, we're going to record the episode on Wednesday, um, which will be Wednesday, my time. So which will give us a time to recap uh, State of Origin, to break down what happened between the Blues and the Maroons. But I, I'm so excited. Uh, probably my most anticipated match of the season so far uh, in the game of Rugby League. So until that time, Shedheads, make sure you find a way to watch that. Uh, stay safe this weekend. I uh, hope you're coming down from your Memorial Day weekend. Uh, over here in the divided states and and that you're safe around the world but until next time stay out of trouble don't get caught this has been outside the sheds and i'm your host Corey jackson see ya and that was another fantastic episode of outside the sheds with Corey jackson talking all things nrl afl and all things sports so please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.